Welcome to the Apple and Sports Cover 2 Podcast here on AppleandSports.com. His name is Mitch Light. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow us on Twitter. Please interact that way, at Mitch at Braden Gall. You'll need to know those two Twitter accounts because we'll give away some more magazines as we have another podcast trivia question for you guys. Unbelievable responses. Once again, completely shocked at the number of people that know who your cat is uh, and that Buttercup is its name and that you basically wish it ill will on a routine daily basis. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't want Peter coming after me. I don't. I don't want the cat to like get hurt. I just want it to stop annoying me. Is, mm. is that okay? There's a difference there. Well, it's a cat, and it's hard. To, it's hard. There's a very fine line between those two things because it's a cat. Yes. Well, I did find out recently that I'm not the only person that doesn't like the cat's name. In, oh, I found out last night. My mom, my grandmother, who I didn't even know was alive when we had the cat, <laughs> said she was like 98. What kind of name is Buttercup? It who is, named the cat Butter? It's a, it's a stupid name. Did your daughter name it? Uh, yeah, but she was like four. <laughs> she was like four, yeah. 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 Um, all right, so Buttercup is the name of the cat. We'll have another trivia question for you guys coming up in just a second. Please rate, review, subscribe, of course, iTunes, you know, Google Play, wherever it is that you listen to us. We appreciate that. Um, podcast at AthlonSports.com. And, of course, purchase magazines now, AthlonSports.com slash store. You can get magazines there, any cover you want to. We, of course, will give away magazines here momentarily. Today I got something fun. We got something fun planned for you guys on the podcast. And, we're going we're gonna to step away from the magazines. We'll have a lot of magazine content for you guys over the course of the summer as we sort of bring that to you in audio form. Uh, a lot of really interesting stuff. Herm Edwards, Jim Harbaugh. Braden will be reading team stories. Yes. Next Tuesday, it will be the Arkansas State team. Yes, I am review. going to read like the team Fireside story. chat. It will be a dramatic interpretation yes. of the Arkansas State 2018 schedule. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At... Troy. Appalachian State. Um, I'm sure Stephen would correct me that they don't play this year or something. <laughs> right. I don't know. Um, so we'll, we'll get away from magazine stuff, and we'll get away from, like, Pac-12 teams not liking their teams, <laughs> not sending them to bowl games. We'll get into news. That'll happen a little bit later on. I, we thought we'd have a little Hopefully fun Hopefully there today. will be some news. We thought we'd have a little fun today and offer up our sort of – I don't – recap isn't the word. It's not necessarily an oral history, uh, but maybe a little bit to some degree – of the BCS, the beloved Bowl Championship Series, the era that was 1998 through 2013. We're going to kind of go down memory lane, the good, the bad, the negative, where it got it right, where it got it wrong, things we loved about it, things we hated about it, the teams, the players, the coaches. And we're going to have a fun sort of look back and history lesson on the Bowl Championship Series. But first, before we do that, trivia. To give away magazines. Now, again, this isn't college football trivia. We're not going to ask, like, who was the, nope. lead, you know, who scored the first touchdown in the 2001 BCS championship game. Do you know? Who cares? Uh, well, not I who think cares. either Scott Frost or Ken Dorsey. I'm not sure. One of the two. Okay. Um, uh, or no, not Scott Frost. Yes. No. No. Eric Scott Crouch. Frost. Yes. Eric Crouch. Sorry. Not all white Nebraska quarterbacks are the same. Brand. Eric Crouch. I'm sorry. Um, so, that being said, it, this is about the podcast. This is These have been trivia questions about us. Because... You know, we like us. <laughs> so We do a podcast, so, and we want to talk about us. Here is the question. The previous questions have been about your pet, about a TV show I've been asking you to watch desperately. It's been about a, a, a bet that we placed between our two alma maters. It's been about a lot of weird stuff. Here is the question. And this one's kind of easy because it's a 50-50 shot. It's a little bit easier that do way. We, do we, uh, do we add to it? Like, you got to name, think, name one of the cities that it occurred in? Oh, you only told the story one time. Right. So that would be hardcore. You'd have to be a like you'd have to listener be deep in, in the weeds. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is fairly easy. You could guess and get it right. So we understand that. But it's also, in our opinions, I think it's hilarious. So 
And we both sort of found this out while we were doing the podcast. They're like, oh, you. Like, you did that? (laughs) We did this? Oh, my God. All right. So here's the question. One of the two of us ran from the police (laughs) when they were younger during the college. These both happened during our college years. Mm. Oh, okay. Potentially after near and around our college years. Okay. So one of the two podcast hosts for the Athlon Sports Cover 2 podcast was arrested on a felony in college. The other one ran from the police. Which one of us ran from the police and which one of us was arrested on a felony? The person who ran from the police was never actually arrested because he ran away from the police. So, which one of us was arrested on a felony, ultimately not charged, and which one ran from the police, ultimately not caught? First one's on Twitter, at Athlon Mitch and at Braden Gall, to get it right and if it's close and looks like you're guessing and you give us more detail. Or if it's close. I don't know. Either I, I, right I, or not. I, I, this, we'll see if this one. We'll see yeah, this act, one works since out. this is an easy one, since it's 50-50, you actually gave it away in your question. But. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. We'll see. Okay. We'll see what happens. That'd be funny if no one gets this one. <laughs> like, exactly. Because it was only on one podcast. We have not brought this up on any other podcast. Uh, all right. It was our Law & Order recap. So the history of the BCS. I think your first. beloved BCS. I think your first question is where we need to start. Well, that's why it's in order. Like okay. that. That's why it's the first question. I wanted to point out a statistic, however, before we get to that first question. Um, the statistic is in the 56 seasons prior to the BCS and the Bowl Alliance, which technically the Bowl Alliance took was only three years, 95, 96, 97. The Bowl Coalition was only 92, 93, 94. But from 1992, the previous 56 seasons – only eight times did the top two teams in college football play on the final weekend or in the bowl game. The idea of the BCS was to solve that problem. The Bowl Coalition didn't do it. The Bowl Alliance didn't do it. So the, and, and since then, by the way, 13 out of 16 seasons during the BCS did the AP one and two teams actually play each other. little discrepancy there. We'll get to that in a minute. The question is, did the BCS do its job? Yes, I was one of the few people. It was very fashionable to rip on the BCS if you were, you know, Twitter wasn't around through a lot of the BCS, but it was very fashionable to rip on it and just say how dumb it was. I thought if it, for the goal of finding the two best teams, it was the best, best method of doing it. I don't like a committee coming up with two teams. I'm fine with a committee coming really? up with four teams. I liked the combination so of... So you liked the computer aspect I of... liked the fact that you included polls and computer... In, in computer poll, like there, so there's a human, human element, element and a computer c- computer element. element. Okay. What I my biggest beef with the BCS as it went along, and I appreciated its attempt to improve the methodology, but I hated how they changed every year. Well, margin of victory counts, then it doesn't count. Like I don't like any way. That happens in basketball, though. But to some degree, not to that degree. Not to well, that now degree. the baseball committee's like, well, if you have a record under 500 in conference play, well, that's they, important. They didn't say that as. They didn't say that it's definitive. Some teams under 500 did make it. Ray Tanner said it specifically. Well, he said it was more times. important to that committee. He did, it did well, say true. it was a black or white issue. This is different. I'm talking about they're changing parameters midstream, basically, not midseason. Like, I, I don't like it when a fan base can say, if the rules were in place last year, we would have made it, but they took this element or they added that computer. Do you think that really changed? I mean, I agree with you that it I'd have to go back and look to, to figure it out. It evolved because then I think the Harris poll came in and came out or the AP poll got removed from it. I mean, th- there was modification to the methodology. Yeah, I, just, I, I don't appreciate I don't like I that. don't think it changed any potential game matchups. 
I, I, I mean, maybe I, one, I don't, maybe two. I don't remember enough. We'll I get don't, to that. Yeah, I don't. Maybe it's out there that that people. And I'm just making this up. In 2007, these teams played. Hey, if if the formula was in place, these teams would have played, or that team and might not have made it. So if you if you boil this question for me, it comes down to its role now looking back on it to me was for to get us from point a to point c it was sort of point b we weren't going to go directly from the very long point though (laughs) we weren't going to go directly from the bowl alliance to a four or six or 18 playoff that was never going to happen so there had to be and change takes time in these big sort of massive moving it's sort of like a giant you know, aircraft carrier ship versus like a little speedboat. It just takes time for it to swing around and go a different direction. And I think its job was sort of to get us from this chaotic pre BCS national championship game era that exists in this weird world pre 1998 to a playoff, whatever that was going to look like. We knew that was coming eventually. And it did its job. I think from, from 98 to 2013, we had our best before the playoff. We had our best, sort of 1v2 era of college football probably ever. We could argue, and we will in a minute, about what teams maybe should have gotten left out. Where did it get it wrong? But, again, the number is 13 out of 16 years, one versus two in the AP poll played each other. The 56 years before that, eight times, one versus two played yeah, each other. That's an improvement on the system. And now we've got a playoff that is takes all that out of the yeah, equation. Yeah, either people with short memories or, or younger college football fans who had a problem with the BCS, just like all you need to do is look at the 80s when you had – you know, on the same night in the Sugar Bowl, one playing five, two playing right. six, whatever. And like, oh, they lost. I'm moving them from four to one. You know, there's just a lot of weird scenarios. Well, well, 1991, Washington was locked into the Rose Bowl. They were undefeated. Miami was also undefeated and played in the Orange Bowl. That That's so stupid. Right. That's so stupid. So for people who – you're right. For people who don't know what life was like pre-BCS, the fact that Washington was locked into the Rose Bowl, like Miami knew was – those two teams. They were both <laughs> undefeated. They both shared a national title because they were the best two teams. Wouldn't it be nice if they played at the end of the year? Well, that's what the BCS did, at least. And so, again, for me, it was a stepping stone. It was a point A to point C type of deal, and it was the point B that got us to point C, which is a playoff. So I agree that the BCS did its job. It was very, very effective. The question is, where did it go wrong? What years did the BCS get it wrong? And as I told you before we record this, you are going to have to fact-check me as we go along. You, for whatever – not for whatever reason. For whatever reason. It's because you're brilliant. For whatever reason. It's because you're brilliant. Have a better memory over specific years. Can you say like, that again? You, you, you're brilliant. Not, thank, not thank just you. handsome, thank brilliant. Thank you, sir. Um, but – and I might be contradicting my earlier point about adding computers in, but the reason this happened was because computers were such a strong, stronger element, correct me if I'm wrong, early on, that a team like Nebraska can look so bad in its championship game in what in what year, 2000? Um, you, you Col- say conference championship game? Yeah. Oh, oh, 01, they oh, lost one, it, to Colorado and then ended up playing Miami. Right, right. I mean, if the, the, But the that stronger, was also Tennessee's fault. Yeah, exactly. Tennessee was, got beat was, by but, Nick Saban in his first SEC right, championship. Right, lost to LSU after Tennessee had that great win at at uh, at Florida in the makeup from the 9-11 yes, game. Travis Stevens ran for a lot thinking, of yards. You're thinking, wow, this is just a great team, and then they go lose that next game. So, you know, I think we everyone knew that Nebraska did not deserve to play for a national title after losing so poorly in the Big 12 championship game, but the formula that we had still placed them in that spot. Also, 2003, Oklahoma got abused in the Big 12 championship game by Darren Sproles and Kansas State, and then eventually ended up playing in the national title. And I would start with with the 03 and 04 seasons combined, where you could argue, because USC, the only split national title during the BCS was 2003, USC, um, and and because the AP did not the, have to vote for that, for the no, because the coach no, it was the coaches, right? Yeah, well, the, the polls were involved, but 
the AP, what what happened was is that Oklahoma and USC were one and two in the polls, uh, and well, excuse me, LSU and and Oklahoma were one and two in the polls, and USC was number three in the BCS. USC was number one, I believe, in the AP. So that's right. The, so. the, the coaches' poll was con- the coaches were contractually obligated. The coaches' poll was to to name the yes. BCS championship. So, and the, so in the AP. Excuse me, the AP was not. That's and they how broke from it. And, and so did – actually, and I, I'm not sure I really knew this, but the AFCA, the American Football Coaches Association, which is essentially the collection of coaches in college football, also was – as well as the conferences were all contractually obligated to name the BCS champion the national champion. So um, it, it, it was and also not an NCAA-sanctioned san- champion, the only one that's really not sanctioned by the NCAA, which is interesting. Um, I, I would – you could also – I think you could start in 1998. Uh, I think Tennessee belonged there, but I, I think Florida State sort of got in. You could argue the 1998 Ohio State Buckeyes probably deserved to be in there. Kansas State also missed that year by losing in the Big 12 title game. I believe it's a Texas A&M, their only Big 12 championship. And so I, I think you could make the case for 1998 Ohio State. But the only time I really think it got it wrong was probably 2004, 2003 and four, where Oklahoma got in. And Auburn was undefeated. You could argue Auburn belonged in there. I don't think it would have mattered. I think USC would have rolled because that was just such a dominant USC team. But we'll never know. And Auburn fans certainly will never, ever, ever say that they wouldn't have won that game. So Right, that's not the point. But that the was also – we also had three teams that were sort of – 3 and 4 the only time where we had three teams that had viable, legitimate cases to be made that they belonged in the BCS. Yeah, no, I agree. And that, that's, that was the flaw in the system. Like when you've got – it's more palatable as a fan when there's five teams for four spots than three teams for two spots because that you know you're, you're 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 that one team is not getting a chance to play for the national title. It's sort of like college basketball. You you can complain over the sixty you know the like more like thirty fourth, thirty fifth you know at large team, but when you're talking about the third team, that's a huge opportunity that's missed. So go tell that Auburn team. Go tell Tommy Tuberville and that crew. Was it Jason Campbell? That, you know, yep, yeah, yep. we just, you know, you, you were really good, but we just went with those two teams. It was kind of like Williams, Ronnie yeah. Brown. That team, that doesn't Carlos well. Rogers, I think, was on that team. The linebacking core, Carlos Dansby. I mean, that was a really good Auburn team. Uh, do I think USC would have rolled? Yes, I do. That's just But my, that's not the point. That, exa- exactly. That's not the point. I would have preferred USC and LSU in 03. I think that those are the best two teams. And the fact that Oklahoma got smoked in, the, in their championship game, I think, probably means we should have seen those two. But the... Because, again, Nebraska loses, probably shouldn't have gotten in. There's a lot of them where they lost and it cost them a championship. That happened almost every year. Like Ohio State 98 losing to, I believe, the Michigan State Spartans with, like, the five inter- the five turnovers for Ohio State or something crazy. Um, you know, so we'll get to 2007. Which that was is part of, of a, Tennessee's miraculous run that included – it wasn't just Clint Sterner's fumble. There was a lot of other right, things that went right. on. That, but that, that's sort of almost every – aside from, like – when, when you know, USC and Texas start the season 1-2 right, and 0-5 yeah. and they run the table, aside from that, there's almost always a year or a team or a game where you can point to and say, you, you know, had Ohio State, Michigan, and 06 were 1-2. and two. Well, Ohio State wins that game, goes in and plays Florida. Florida's a heavy underdog. Florida wins. You know, like uh, Alabama got knocked out. Nick Saban's first national title at Alabama probably would have been 2008 had Tebow not played them in the SEC championship game. You know what I mean? Like Missouri was 11 and one in 2013 and people forget about how good that team was. Had they not lost to Auburn, they would have played in the BCS national title game. Ohio state got upset in a, in a big 10 title game and, 
and got beat by I think it was Wisconsin and got knocked out. So it, it is those types of things happen all over the place. Um, but I think ninety eight Ohio State, O three USC, and O four Auburn are the only three teams that I would say belong. Now O seven is sort of a, a weird year, and we'll get to that sort of on its own. But I think those three teams are the three teams I would say. What are the three best teams not to play in the BCS national championship game? And it would probably be those three teams if I if I ha- had to pick three teams. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I mean Auburn. I don't know why I just seem to remember that team more. I mean they went undefeated. Yeah. That's pretty good. And a lot of NFL players. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing, too. I mean, that, that Makes matters. it easier to remember who's yeah. on the team. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I would agree. I mean, so, 03 USC and 04 Auburn have to be the answer. I, I really like that 98 Ohio State team. I do think the 01 Tennessee team might have been better than the 98 Tennessee team. I think so, too. They might have had more talent, better I quarterback. I, mean, I was at that game in Gainesville. So. I, was, uh, I burnt a couch that night. In we vic- did. In victory. We, we did in victory and with supervision of the – Knoxville Police Department or uh, Fire Department. True Interesting. story. True story. Yes, our house that we partied at was next, right Morgan next Town? door. Yeah, we wanted to act a little bit like that, as do most college undergrads. Uh, we uh, the house we partied at was right next to the, the fire station on Highland Avenue in the fort in Knoxville, and we burnt a good place to burn stuff. Right we had a lot of station. we had a lot of porch couches in the fort, which are disgusting, disgusting things. And uh, it was a little broken up. We had a couple of them. We threw it out on the street and we burnt it down. And the fire department oversaw the whole thing. There was oversight. Professional. It's good. Good. Um, so if you're going to commit a crime, you should do it next to the police station. Is that what you're <laughs> yeah, saying? Yes, exactly. Oversight. Um, I think if you're going to commit a crime with police permission, then that's fine. Okay. Because that's sort of what this was. Uh, all right. Um, where do you want to go next? Best best uh, player? So I, I, I wanted to write down best, and I put down best, and I thought about best. I divided it into two categories. I said best player and best performance. Ooh. Like Vince Young, to me, that's the best performance of the BCS. And character. I think he's the best player. I have Tim Tebow and Reggie Bush in the th- the three-man group there. So I actually did the top 100 players of the BCS era for Athlon's website. You can check it out online. It's a couple of years old, obviously. But the um, BCS is done, so it's right. so not getting updated. So I have uh, Vince in my career of covering college football, which started in 2004. Vince Young is the most unstoppable player I've ever seen. There's not an individual that was more unstoppable as a, as a solo performer than Vince Young. Uh, Reggie Bush was a great player. He's a running back. Um, Tim Tebow, I have at number two on this list. Um, I also think he was an awesome, awesome, awesome player. I think he had much more support than, I saw, than, yeah, did, than did Vince I Young I saw in Texas. Tebow in person, which sometimes he just... Yeah, I saw him against Vanderbilt he, a couple times. Was, and that was actually a pretty good Vanderbilt defense that year, and he just ripped him apart. And just... It was... Seeing him in person is just because you see him on TV and it's third and two. You know he's going to run. It's oh he's going to get it. But like just seeing how his size and his athleticism for that size in person was was impressive. And and Vince was faster. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Vince was. Oh, a, yeah. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not taking I think, that away. I think Tebow had more support, and I think that's why all those guys were pros, dude. Those guys were all superstars. None of the Texas players panned out. I mean, all those guys, the Justin Blaylocks and. You know, Michael Griffin and like those guys didn't. Michael pan Griffin out. played in the NFL for a long time. He's not very good though. <laughs> played for like ten years. He's, as as if he wasn't very. It's good, not he good wouldn't... to use Aaron Hernandez as an example, but that guy probably would have had a Hall of Fame career. Brandon Spikes played a long, long time. I mean, like their guy. The point is, is that team was absolutely filthy loaded. Dude, Vince for Florida. was a more important player. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Adrian Peterson is number three on this on this list. Ed Reed is number four on on my list. I'll just quickly run through this. Larry Fitzgerald number five. Uh, Matt Leinert, number six. So Fitzgerald's a guy who just great, did not 
factor into the BCS. No, no, but, but, but just during the era. purely best players. I think he's one of the only two receivers to finish as a Heisman finalist. Um, Matt Liner, Brian McKinney, offensive lineman for Miami, number seven. David Pollock, defensive end for Georgia, extraordinarily decorated, number eight. Um, who, and, who did not have an NFL career because of his injury. And his size, and, and, a little uh, undersized. But top draft pick was a dominant college player. Uh, like, like we're talking Luke Keekley type of dominance, where you're like an all-American, all-American, all-American yes. kind of guy. Not many guys that do that. Uh, and Dominican Sue uh, at number nine. Obviously a better player than David Pollock, but maybe not a better college player. Uh, and Roy Williams, safety for Oklahoma at number 10. And that's just a collection of names. Ed, Ed Reed is one of my personal favorites as as a player. If you're asking me who my favorite, Andrew Luck might be on that list. Favorite player, um, he's in that he's in that era. Up transformer program. Joe Thomas, Wisconsin. Patrick Willis, Ole Miss. I like guys that are sort of historically great at programs that don't win championships because Patrick Willis means more to Ole Miss than most linebackers do to Alabama, or Joe Thomas means more to Wisconsin than most offensive linemen do to Ohio State or whatever. I just I like those types of guys. The Michael Vick, Pat White. Um, the yeah, generation. Michael player. Vick is got to be on. Where was he? he he's near the because the problem is he, he only had one great year, and then he sort of took a, he trailed off. Um, he's number twenty seven. He only he played was phenomenal. He only played. He's a revolutionary. He only played two seasons. Obviously led Virginia Tech to the BCS championship. But then his second season, he didn't play a full year. He he was hurt and he didn't he, he didn't have a he didn't get better his second season. Um, so that I think is what sort of knocks him down. But you could argue he's. You could argue he's right there with Vince Young and Team Tebow because he revolutionized the position. I mean, he was the first true super, super quarterback. Um, but when you talk about teams, favorite teams, and my personal favorite team I think is the best college football team ever assembled, and I I think it's the one that lost the championship Miami game. to Ohio State. I think it's 2 I think 2s team was slightly better than one's team, and one obviously dominated Nebraska – I think the 0-2 Miami team is the best college football team ever assembled, That's and they lost to Ohio State in the championship game in overtime. My notes, best team, 2002 Miami that lost, and then maybe 2001 Miami that won. Do you have a list of any of the names of players? I mean, it's, Go, I, mean I, could I don't have it in so front of me, but like, I'm fairly positive it's Philip Buchanan, Sean Taylor, Ed Reed, Brian McKinney, Vince Wilfork, DJ Williams, um, Jonathan Vilma. I believe the backfield was Najee Davenport and Clinton, Clinton Portis and Willis McGahee. All right, Ken, Ken Dorsey at quarterback, Frank Frank Gore. Frank Andre, Gore was like the third string Andre back. Johnson, Roscoe Parrish, Willis McGahee. Jeremy Shockey. Jared Payton. Brett Romberg, who was a great yeah. center. How about is Vernon it, Carey? Was it both Winslow and Shockey on that team? I just have the starters, but yeah, I think so. I mean, to remember all of the offensive linemen, Tells you how good they were, you know. And then, well, just look at the defensive players: William Joseph, Jerome McDougal, Sean Taylor, Sean Taylor Jonathan Vilma, Vilma, Vince Wilfork, DJ Williams, William Joseph, Jamal Green. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's insane to look at those those rosters. And yeah, Willis McGahee, Jared Payton, and Frank Gore—all three played in the NFL. I mean, Jared Payton didn't do much, but tight end Winslow, yeah. I, I I think you could put those two teams against each other head to head, and you'd probably have the best two college football teams ever constructed. Ever constructed. I mean, like. All the way back through Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. I don't think anybody had more talent than those two teams. O one and O two Miami ever. Not even Florida and O eight. Not even some of the Alabama teams we've seen recently. Not some of those USC teams that were dominant. I, I think the O one O two Miami two years. I don't think we'll ever see anything better than that. 
Yeah, I don't disagree. Do you have a favorite team that you enjoyed watching play in the BCS national title team outside of those two Miami teams? Like, just something that you personally enjoyed? Because I obviously Texas USC is the best game. We all agree with that. I actually will put Florida, Florida State and, and Auburn. Sneaky, sneaky, awesome, amazing, good football game. Auburn, I enjoyed the Auburn-Oregon team. That Auburn team, I enjoyed watching that team. Cam play. Newton. That was but, a bad game, though. Sort of I know. I, 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 I like that team, though. Yeah. I'll go Florida in 08, but this is selfish reasons because we picked Florida to win the national title. Oh, that title. doesn't count. Yeah, but they, I loved watching. And we were play. sort of ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, Ohio State, US, uh, Ohio, Ohio State, Miami. I mean, USC teams were fun. I didn't. I didn't. I was indifferent towards USC, but I mean, I mean, the team that won in 04 that beat Oklahoma by like 45 points or whatever. That that's as fun as you, you'll ever get watching a football team, just because of their execution. But that Texas team was so charming because Vince was just so. So smooth. He was just so smooth to watch. Uh, I will throw this out. Best freshman in a BCS national title game. In a game. I would throw Maurice Claret into that conversation. Michael Vick. Michael Vick and Jameis Winston. Won yes. a national title as a redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman. Vick was also a redshirt freshman. That, yeah, true. So, I'm going to – that's like their 20 – even though they didn't play a freshman year, it's like their 25th game in college too. One of the – one of the teams that I also find to be extremely charming, but but only, and this is weird how our childhood and like growing up allegiances affect our, our favorites. I was not professionally working at this time, but I openly was rooting for Oklahoma in 2000 against Florida State. I just, for whatever reason, I grew up anti-Florida State. I grew up liking sort of Florida and Nebraska and Miami's. I just was, for whatever reason, I was not a yeah, Florida State remember, fan. I even remember that game. But they were so heavily favored because yeah. they had won the national title the year before. Oklahoma came in, and I loved that Oklahoma defense. The way that, and they shut out Florida State in that game, and and just one of the most amazing performances by a defense. That Oklahoma defense might be my favorite unit of any team in the BCS. You know, we're, we're bouncing around a lot, but here's some notes I took. Best offense. This team didn't win it. Oklahoma in 2008 averaged 51.1 points per game. Is that Sam Bradford setting the freshman passing record with like 50 touchdowns? Or scored whatever? 60 points in five straight games leading up oh to the BCS God. title game. That's then crazy. lost to Florida 24 to four. 24-14. Sam Bradford, DeMarco Murray, and Chris Brown each rushed for over 1,000 yards. Joaquin Is that Igle Jermaine Gresham? Yes. Iglesias had 1,000 yards. Mm -hmm. Kind of a no-name receiver, but it was good. And then Jermaine Gresham. So that, that offense just they, – they Who's on the offensive line? 60-plus in, in five straight games and then scored 14. That's craziness. And then um, let's, let's go to the next category because best team not to play in the BCS title game. Well, we already did that. We talked about Auburn, oh, yeah. USC, my bad, my bad. and Ohio State. I, did I, we have the 08 USC team? That's the one that lost to that uh, the, the lost to Oregon of, State on I, a Thursday night. I remember I was at uh, – Mark Sanchez. Yeah. I was in Denver at a sports bar watching that. That team was The average score in their games was 38-9. to nine. This is a stat that we probably didn't pay attention enough to at the time. Their average yards per game, they averaged 6.3. They gave up 3.3. They gave up the, three the, full yards per, per play. play. Oh my god, that's crazy! And that's for erotic. Those, for the it's borderline erotic. <laughs> no, <laughs> thanks, no, take thanks, the borderline Brett. out. It's not even borderline. No. It's just super extra erotic. Yes, I like that. Um, I I think 2013 Alabama. They lose on the kick six. They if they don't lose on a kick six, they're probably national that, champions. Is that the team that lost to Ole Miss at home or on the road? Uh, 14 was at home. So then 13 was at 13 was the Bo, bad, bad Wallace, Bo, good Bo Wallace. And he threw, yeah. he, he had like his greatest two throws of his career. He just threw them and they happened to go and they in. Happened <laughs> to, they happened to go in. Um, yeah, I think had they not lost in the kick six, they would have 
probably won the national title. I mean, I think they'd. I mean, maybe Florida State beats that Alabama team, but that Alabama team was pretty darn good. I, mean, I, the, the, I think there's a couple of Ohio not, State teams that didn't play. Not for it. the time for this discussion. Oh six Michigan, but one of the greatest Michigan in hold that on, one of the greatest plays in college football history was the one of the most impactful plays in college football history too. It's not like the band Cal Stanford, which was a great play. You're talking about the kick six, yeah, the kick six. Just yeah. talk about the impact of that. But uh, what was the next team you mentioned? Um, 2006 Michigan, Mike Hart, Chad Henney, they were number two in the nation in the last weekend of the year when they lost in that high-scoring game against Ohio State. Um, that team's a team that, that probably belongs in this conversation for best teams not to make it. Um, do you have particular press conferences that stand out? Yeah, you. Let me. I'll let you run with this because you clearly had some. I mean, the Les Miles one, I mean, it sounds like this is a loaded question it's to da- yourself. It's, <laughs> it's Dan Hawkins yeah. and Mike Gundy. Those are the best two press conferences. Dan Hawkins, the St. Intermurals, brother. That's more vacation time than you guys get. Yeah. And he's talking about kids like having getting two weeks off or whatever before yeah. summer camp. And then, of course, Mike Gundy defending his quarterback. I'm a man. I'm 40. Come after me. Get your facts straight. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. I think those are my two favorite press conferences of the BCS era. Yeah. Um, we always have very memorable moments of press conference. I mean, Steve Spurrier, I mean, famous press conferences all over the place and at SEC Media Days as well. Um so I just wanted to throw that. Yeah, it was definitely a setup for those two. Yeah. I just wanted to. I, I was wondering if you had anything else in mind, like a, a, a no. actual after a no. game or something. Um, other games, I mean, Michael Vick's comeback against Florida State. Probably shouldn't overlook that one, how great that, that second half was, how entertaining that game was. Um, I mean, really, after, once the SEC kind of started dominating, the game, other than, I mean, even the 08 game wasn't all that great. 09 Texas, you, Alabama wasn't that great. Um, Auburn and, and Oregon was pretty darn good. I mean, last-second field goal. The one thing, and I don't like the rule, I don't have a good suggestion how to change the rule. I hate the rule like we're running back if you're lying on top of someone. The Michael Dyer play? Yeah, like yeah. I hated that that was such a pivotal play in the game. I don't I don't know. know if he was laying on top of someone. I think he spun and caught himself and his knee never hit, but I'll have to rewatch yeah. it. Um, I don't think it's as egregious as you think it is. Okay. I think it's more of like just he just made it a crazy play. And it was it was just unfortunate because it was it was a fluke play. But like Auburn, yeah, yeah, Oregon yeah, was like, sure. what the hell's going on? Because then he, he ends up picking up 35 or 40 more yards or whatever, getting the ball into the red zone. Um, all right, here's an interesting one. Teams that never made it to the BCS championship game, and they never will because the era is over. You mentioned a program that I, I did not have, I should have. Okay. Was this your how could this team coach not have broken through category? No, 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 no. This okay. is teams that – so so we have this BCS era that took place. It runs for 16 seasons. And the power the, – the, the big big power programs win all the titles. Like the one, the only one that wasn't – So some teams that didn't make The it. only one that never showed up – or the only one that showed up that wasn't a power program was basically Virginia Tech. You might be able to throw Oregon into that conversation. But for the most part, blue blood programs. It is kind of boring looking at the. Um, if you go to the Wikipedia of the BCS, there's just it's all the same teams: Oklahoma, Texas's, yep. Florida's, USC, Florida, yeah, Alabama. Alabama it's it's a lot of the same stuff. Florida State's in there in yeah. two different generations. Michigan didn't make a single appearance in the BCS game, national title game. Georgia, Penn State did not make a single appearance in the Big Ten na- in the BCS national title game. Georgia did not appear in the BCS national title game. UCLA, Texas A&M, Washington, Clemson never played in the BCS national title game, which is hard to consider today. Kansas, close. No. <laughs> I was going to make a Kansas joke. Actually, 07, they, they played in the Orange Bowl. They're very close. Um, Washington, 
Wisconsin and Michigan State, who I would not call necessarily blue bloods, but Wisconsin was won Big Ten titles. But Wisconsin teams, won lots of Big like Ten titles. Washington wasn't good for a lot of that. Wisconsin has almost never not been good. Right. And they did not. And, and this speaks to the problem about the Big Ten and why that's now fixed as we've got five Big Ten teams in the top 15. Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, and Wisconsin never played in the BCS national title game, and Nebraska played in one. So if you count Nebraska and all those other four teams, you had one appearance in a national title game between – we're talking five of the biggest programs in college football history and, and never showed up in the national title game outside of Nebraska's 0-1 trip where they got just housed by a Miami team that would have probably beaten anybody. But Ohio State's the only one that ever went. And they went, what, three times, and they lost twice, and they won an 0-2. So I, I just – Controversial. The Michigan and the Penn State – that strikes me as that's part of the reason the SEC was so dominant and why other but and why the, the coaches are who they are now in the Big Ten. It's because Penn State and Michigan never even played for the national title. That's pretty that's pretty alarming. Yeah, Penn State I'm not shocked because they had some dips in the program. I guess Michigan did too. I just They played in BCS bowls though. Yeah, like yeah. Like they, you're playing in BCS bowls routinely, Michigan and Penn State. And Wisconsin for that matter. And yeah, just, Wisconsin's the one that had was the most consistently good during that stretch. Almost no dips. Right, but I mean, I I just you know, I mean, you had the Michael Robinson Penn State era. You had another Penn State team. I think I mean, you had, you had a couple of Michigan teams that went to big time BCS bowls. Um, so I don't think te- Texas A and M um, is on that list as well. A power power Not a huge surprise. Though. No, but national title capabilities. Yeah, and just doesn't never got there. U- UCLA uh, is in that conversation. I don't think you can go all the way down to like. The West Virginia, Oklahoma State tier of teams. Uh, now, you now here's the other one. Where does Kansas State fall in this conversation? Because they had a couple of chances, 12, 2012, with Colin Klein and 98, They with Michael Bishop. They could have gone to the national title. They were good enough. And Bill Snyder, just, he just never got there. Yeah, I've, I kind of just jotted that down when you mentioned them earlier where as, a, as a program that just didn't break through that was – had had some great opportunities and just never made it. Is I mean, there any other program? I mean, Louisville wasn't like, big how, enough again, yet. How is this different than how could this team coach not have broken through? Because that, that's sort of in this. So I've got Mark Richt in Georgia. Mark, he won 10-plus games eight times in an 11-year period. Yeah. Five SEC title games, two and three. So I think from a program that was flirting that never, that never made it, and now we yeah. see where they are, I think that might be the most – you know the one that you can look back and say they lost some opportunities during that era. Yeah, Barry Alvarez, I think, is is in that category of coaches that you're just kind of surprised. And again, speaking about Wisconsin there, um, and, and and Bill Snyder's on that list as well. I mean, Frank Beamer, probably one of the best coaches without a national title, actually got the job done um, at Virginia Tech. Um, it got got to the national title game with Michael Vick. Yeah, and, and that at the time there, they they were kind of a coming of age for that program. Yeah, that that. We saw them get to the national title game. That kind of vaulted them into the elite status, and they, they never made it back. But that, we kind of think of Virginia Tech the way we do because of that team. Yeah, I mean, that's that, and, and that's right around when the recruiting picked up for Virginia Tech. Like you said, vaulted them in. I mean, that's the Kevin Jones recruitment, and, and then it turns into Lee Suggs and all these other great running backs that started going to school there. Um, you could cover any couple of coaches. Pick a couple of coaches that you could cover during the BCS era, and you get to cover their entire beat. Like, so if they go from team A to team B to team C, you get all of it. Like, it's not about one coach at one school, but you get to follow that guy throughout. It. Like, you're like a like a Lane Kiffin correspondent. I put Pete Carroll. I just fast, yeah, that's pretty good. Great team. 
lot of personalities. I think he let. I mean, I think the the, the reporters kind of were able to cover the team. You know, it wasn't one of these it, as it is now. You know, can't go to practice. I believe practices were open, and he was a fascinating guy. You read a bunch of the stories how he'd go out into the inner city in the middle of the night and and help guys. And stuff uh, like I, that. Uh, you're right. It's it's hard to argue with with the interest and the intrigue of what Pete Carroll did during his time at USC and connecting with the community. He's just an interesting guy too. Um, also left on some interesting circumstances, but that's a, the interesting thing there is that you don't, you only get about a six or seven year span, an eight year span. And then you're kind of out of there. Um, I obviously I wrote down Lane Kiffin just kind of jokingly the one I, the one urban Meyer's interesting because you would get Utah, you get Bowling Green, Utah, you get Florida and Ohio state at all those places. Um, either Chip Kelly or Brian Kelly would be interesting. Yeah, um, Chip, but those guys are hard to cover. Here's the one I would like, though. Here's okay. the one I came up with that I think I would like because I get a lot of different stops, a lot of interest, a lot of intrigue, and I think a it's a weird thing. question though because reporters don't move with. I, that's the whole point. <laughs> we're, we're, it's a podcast. We're allowed to come up with we are? whatever weird questions we want. Oh. Rich Rodriguez, obviously a fascinating tenure at West Virginia, close to getting to a BCS national title game, losing in 07, which we'll get to in a second. Um, and then the departure from West Virginia was complicated and got to Michigan and then the whole Michigan saga, but also one of the most exciting and d- dynamic players ever in the BCS era, Denard Robinson, his quarterback. Pat White. Um, and Pat, Pat White, of course, at West Almost Virginia. Almost went to Alabama. Uh, and, and then I – mean, I mean, Rich Rod, not Pat White. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, Pat the, White, the, the flirtations yeah. with Rich Rod. And then, of course, he's back at Arizona. I don't think he coached during the BCS era at Arizona. But the, the point is I would get – a lot of intrigue, I think. A lot of soap opera covering Richrod. And I think he's an interesting guy. I mean, uh, you know, uh, kind enough to the media to be interesting, not his Taller exit. Taller than I thought, by the way. I saw him in person. His exit from Arizona. convention last year. Notwithstanding. Um, Dabo would be interesting, just be, but that's not doesn't really cover a whole lot of the BCS well, first of all, it's, uh, I think it's, it was easier and more fun, even though, you know, I haven't done it to, to cover a team 10, 15 years ago than it is now. Spurrier? Spurrier, yeah, would be – yeah. I mean, just because he would always say fun stuff or weird stuff. That I you, think you're right that Pete Carroll might be my vote just because of the, the experience. Like having guy. Snoop Dogg at practice, practice and stuff and Will Ferrell at practice is, yeah. is awesome. And so um, elite-level collection of talent and players winning championships, you know, living in L.A. Uh, Rich Rod – Harbaugh also would give you – would give you. it would be interesting to cover Harbaugh at Stanford. That, that would have been interesting because you had a couple of Heisman candidates there. Andrew Luck, like I don't know, just rebuilding a garbage program. The upset of Pete Carroll, you know, forty whatever point underdog. What's your deal? Um, yeah, <laughs> what's your deal? Um, that'd be interesting. Um, you know, Houston Nut would have been fun. Cover that beat. You get a few different Still stops. Uh, Tommy Tuberville would be an interesting one because you get what Ole Miss, Auburn, Texas Tech, <laughs> Mike, Mike Price, at Alabama. It'd be a, you'd you'd have one great night behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, Mike Leach, of course, would have been great. Yes. The famously the 08 team, right? I believe that that tied for the division championship and Oklahoma got into the title game. You know that Oklahoma team you're talking that about. Long ago, when wow. you when you talked about that 08 championship team that scored 60 plus points, that is the year I believe that they had a three way tie, and that the BCS standing decided who went to the Big 12 title game, and so Oklahoma was higher in the standings between the three way tie with Texas and Texas Tech. So, was that, you were at Athlon then, right? Did you? Yeah, yeah. That was, I remember, or, that was like my second or third year. I think the night of the text, that game, I was at a wedding with my wife, and it was all of her school friends, and she was 
enjoying some cocktails and I was driving home and I think I was calling you for updates or texting you. There was no I- iPhone then. And like, <laughs> I was just, I wanted to be home on the couch. There wasn't watching. an iPhone in 08 yet. Well, I didn't have been. one. I didn't have one. I didn't get an iPhone. No, maybe you're right. Maybe they weren't. iPhone. My first one was 2011, but I remember calling you getting updates, just saying, I want to be on the couch watching this game. And my wife <laughs> stopped dancing. Yeah. The 2008, uh, Dr. Pepper big 12 championship game, 62, 21 win over Missouri. Um, seven and one, Oklahoma, seven and one, Texas, seven and one, Texas tech. All Texas tech, Texas game, just an iconic Blake Gideon. Yeah. Michael Crabtree. Yeah. Um, Texas tech 11 and two, Texas 12 and one that year, Oklahoma 12 and two. Of course they lost, um, to the, uh, um, Florida Gators there. Uh, all right. So I'm, I'm on board with Pete Carroll there. So this brings us to 2007. Um, I, I don't even – I think South Florida was ranked number two. I think Kentucky was ranked in the top five that year. It ends up – you hit this huge underdog. West Pittsburgh beats West Virginia on the final weekend. Missouri loses to Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, I believe, to knock them out of the, the – LSU's the last regular game. season game, they lose at home to a 5-7 and seven Arkansas team. They, they, went to, they lost to Kentucky and Arkansas that year, famously. That's, my, that's um, all part of our, I think, as a staff – when we just refuse to admit that Les Miles is a great coach. Like, yes, he won a national championship, but his national championship team lost to Kentucky and Arkansas, including <laughs> Arkansas, at home, which went 5-7. and seven. Uh, and, and, like, gave up, like, boatloads of points in both of those games. Now, those were really good Kentucky teams, by the way. That was yes, probably the Andre best. Woodson. Those were the, the, the Those were some of the better Kentucky teams um, in that era under Rich Brooks. I think underrated, actually, what he did. And that sh- probably should have been a category we put on this list of things we're going to talk about today, underrated coaches from the BCS era. Rich Brooks probably uh, in that conversation. Um, I, I think the, the, the original question is, it was a chaotic year with a bunch of random teams being really good, yet the only two-loss champion in the history of the sport, which could change one day when, with the playoff. I think it will. And I, I tend to agree with you on that. Um, but what's interesting is I think there is a fairly legitimate and, and accurate debate about whether or not that season was good for the sport or bad for the sport. What's the, what's the argument for no, that it's bad? That, that there – this complete chaos and lack of legitimate like like to me LSU so Georgia I could argue and I've I've talked to a lot of people about this and that, that some of which agree with me that Georgia was in fact the best team in college football that year that's a good Braden Gall strategy I keep talking to people until I find someone to Andy, agree with me Andy's, no that's not <laughs> what I said um I, I keep asking people about yeah. this theory that Georgia in 07 was better than LSU and most people tend to agree with this experts in the college football world that that Georgia lost to Tennessee in Newland Stadium in a very strange blowout fashion. It wasn't even close. But Georgia had crushed people the entire year, and that one loss to Tennessee knocked them out of the SEC title game. Would they have beaten LSU? I would say yes. And that puts Georgia, a one-loss Georgia team, into the championship game, which makes them a more legitimate championship. The fact that it was this complete chaos, I think, brings the game down a little bit. Now, it's also more entertaining but I think it delegitimizes the championship. We look at that LSU championship, and what, what's the first thing we mention about it? That they, they lost, lost twice, and they lost to Arkansas and Kentucky. So I, yeah, that, let's let's revisit it. That that Georgia team might not be as good as you're remembering. They were they were good. They beat Alabama in overtime. Not a great Alabama team, a ranked Alabama team. They beat Vanderbilt by three in Nashville. They beat. Florida by 12. They beat Troy by 10. Which then, in that era, was hard to do, by the way. You beat Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. Sure, They beat Troy by 10, Kentucky by 11, Georgia Tech by 14, and then they killed Hawaii in the... the, So, I mean, that's a good team, but it's not... They lost two games that year. 
Yeah, had they, had they lost South Carolina by four, but had they had they not lost to Tennessee, the Tennessee was the tiebreaker. Yeah, okay, I see to, what you're saying. The head-to-head was a tiebreaker. I, I don't look at this and say, "Wow, that's a that's a team that should have won I, a national title." I, uh, uh, that's fine. I they are the I think they were the best team in college football that year. And and had a, don't lose to South Carolina. And, well, and, and well, Tennessee, Tennessee is the tiebreaker. Yeah, because everybody lost, but every, but you lost. To Ar- you can't say that and then tell the national champion who lost to Arkansas and Kentucky. Well, I don't that it's I okay. I, right, I've been spending the last Georgia two. handled Kentucky with relative ease. <laughs> so so that makes them better. How about that? Um, point is is the argument against it is that it just was that no Sean Moreno. I don't. Ooh, maybe, maybe. Um, so I, I, could you, I mean, it was, it was Matthew Stafford, no Sean Moreno, Thomas Brown, Craig Lumpkin was on that team. Um, okay, and I, let me remember, not that this matters because they won the game. I think Vanderbilt fumbled really late in that game. <laughs> of course and, you and, remember and that. I do. And then Stafford <laughs> and then what they, cause Georgia always has great kickers. Guy kicked a 50, 50 yard field goal to win it at the buzzer. Basically they, they were number, um, they were number four in the nation. I don't know what the spread was. They were number was, they were number four in the nation. They would have played in the SEC championship game. They were number four in the nation with two losses the weekend of the SEC championship game because they won in a crazy year. They won their last six games. That's why you know. So so the point is is even with the the loss to Tennessee that cost them a chance to play in the SEC championship game, that Georgia team was still a top five team in the country and finished the year number two. I don't know what behind the spread LSU. was. But I, if like, and I don't bet. But if betting me could go back in time, a game that I was so sure would have been right, and I was right on, was the Sugar Bowl that Georgia Hawaii. That oh, Hawaii yeah. team is a fraud. I'm with you on that one. Uh, I'm a, I'm totally with you on that one. Um, so looking at the, I'm looking at the BCS poll. I probably should pull up the BCS. So the final BCS standings had Ohio State and LSU. Of course, they played in the national title game. Um, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma, and Georgia. So the BCS actually had Georgia at five. Um, the, the, the week before that, it was number one, Missouri, number two, West Virginia slated to play in the national title game. The week before that was number one, LSU and number two, Kansas to play in the national title game. Again, that was week six of the BCS. The week before that, LSU and Oregon to play in the national title game. The week before that, Ohio State and LSU. So it kind of comes full circle there. So the, the point is, is you got this Arizona state was a top five team at one point in the BCS that wow. year. Boston college was number two. In the country Matt that Ryan. year with the Matt Ryan, so wh- I I kind of lean towards it's a little bit more fun to have all of that happen. So it's not every year. I, I don't like that the champion is a two loss champion. That seems like they sort of back their way into a title game, and we don't really know who the best team in college football was. I think that's the negative. But if you're telling me I get to see Boston College and Kansas and West Virginia and Missouri and South Florida and Kentucky in the top five, that's fun. I agree. Yeah, I don't see the negative. If it, if it happened, if it was like that every year. I wouldn't like it, but the fact that you can talk about an Arizona State team that I don't remember and probably can't name a player off the top of my head, could you? On the Arizona State, Arizona State team? 2007 team? In 2007, um, that's not, that's pre-Brock Osweiler, yeah. way before Brock Osweiler. Um, and I, um, I think there was a big-time receiver on that team. Um, there was probably some good players, but. Um, was that Rudy Carpenter? Could be. Hold on. I'm thinking we're, we're there's no cheating on this. So well, no, I, I'm cheating. I, I'm fairly positive Rudy Carpenter was on the team. Forever. Um, man, uh, yeah, that's very fairly nondescript. I, I've got the final standings here for the BCS. Think about this. Yes. Ru- okay. Rudy Carpenter was the quarterback yes! winner. Um, just see who else. <laughs> Kyle Williams, wide receiver, was he? No, Dimitri Nance. 
Let me see the running backs were. Been on the, Dimitri Nance would have been on the, the, Yeah, on Dimitri the team. Nance, good call. Keegan Herring. Ryan Terrain, he played in the NFL. Yeah. Um, all right, how about this? Keegan Herring, yeah, they had three. three. How about this? Top 15 in the final BCS standings. Think about how college football has changed. Top right. 15 in the BCS standings in 2007. Boston College, number 14. Illinois, number 13. Program on the rise. Arizona State, number 11. Hawaii, number 10. West Virginia, 9. Kansas, 8. Missouri, 6. Georgia, Oklahoma, Virginia Tech, LSU, Ohio State. I mean, you have two programs that's the, that are among the worst in the country now in Kansas and Hawaii. Yeah, that's craziness. Arizona State, oh, man, that's wild. That was a wild year. There's just no question that was a wild year. Uh, I see the argument of it being – I think you're right that you want it every, like, 10 years. And that's okay, but not any more than that. You don't want it – I like seeing great teams compete for national titles. That's sort of what, what it's all about. Um uh, what else you got for us here? Is that about uh, oh best group of five team of the BCS era? That that okay trick not trick question. There's two like 2010 TCU and 2008 Utah, but those are now Power Five teams that were no that counts okay yeah, that counts. So I, those were the two, and then I had if you want to include a team a program that's still in the group of five because there was really no group of five it was non power right right. I'd say 2009 Boise State beat Oregon at home beat TCU in the bowl game. Or 2017 UCF, but I'm a dumb ass because they're not in the BCS. I just kind of corrected myself. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> I was saying the best group of five teams. And I said, to, that, so it's not a current, like, I'm ex- if I exclude that TCU and Utah team, which we're not going to do because those are now right. power five teams, I said 2009 Boise State. And then I said maybe 2017 UCF, but then I realized that they weren't in the BCS. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gotcha. 2010 TCU, I think, is the only group of five team that could have ever competed with any other. That's the championship team that beat Wisconsin in the bowl. Thirteen and zero. They won the Rose Bowl. They ended up finishing um, two second in the Mountain West or second in the um, in the polls that year. I think that team that I believe that was Andy Dalton, Tank Carter. Um, that that team to me was the only team. Matthew Tucker, Ed Wesley, Wayman James is the running backs there. Andy Dalton, Jeremy Curley was on that team. Has played in the NFL. Josh Boyce was on that team. Uh, that team to me was the best team. Yeah, Tank Carter, T.J. Johnson, Colin Jones, Tanner Brock had a hundred tackles on that team. Uh, to me, that is the only team that I have seen that I think would have won. Or could have competed in the national title game, and and held their own. If they played Oregon in the national title game in 2010, right? If Cam Newton loses the game somewhere to Alabama or whatever, I I think you could. I think TCU would have been able to beat Oregon. Or ha- Oregon could have beaten TCU. But my point is, is it's a 50-50 toss up. I think. I don't know if they beat Auburn, but I think they could have beaten Oregon. I think that's the only one. There's not another one. Not 04 Utah. Not, not, not 08 Utah. Utah. I think they're all great teams. A couple other Boise State teams and a couple other TCU teams, but and one 2010 of the TCU things, is the only one. One of the frustrating things was the 2009 Boise State team that I said they beat Oregon at home. They played TCU in the bowl game. That was the frustrating part. Because, for, yeah, we the, was it the Fiesta Bowl? Yeah, I believe so. I wanted to see them play a Power 5 team. Oh, they beat number 6. T- TCU that year beat number 6 Utah on the road 47-7. to seven. I remember that game. Oh, man. I mean, they, they, they gave up fewer than 10 points in like nine games. I mean, they were just sick that year. Now, again, we're talking Wyoming and Air Force and SMU and Colorado State. Yeah. But, um, so I think that's the best team. All right, so last but not least, we can't end this without some conference discussion. And this, of course, is based on the SEC's run of, what was it, um, 
how many consecutive national titles? Oh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That that ended it, right? Seven consecutive. I think here's the difference, and here's what fans around the league, around the country, don't like to hear about the SEC and why the SEC is the best conference. During the BCS era, five different SEC teams won a national title. That's really hard to fathom when you look at other leagues. How many ACC teams even got to the championship game during the BCS era? One. Florida State. Right. And now that now the league has, a, has legitimately has two programs that yes. compete at the championship. And Miami could be coming back yes. to make it three, but Miami played as no, a Big I, East I'm team. with you. That's the end of the argument, the, the, the fact that five different teams won it. How many Big Ten teams went to the – even went. We just covered One. this. Even went to the Big Ten BCS title game. The only other league that has two champions – is the Big 12, ironically, with Texas and Oklahoma. And Kansas o- State was close. Or- Oregon and USC both went, so the Pac-12 sent two different representatives, but Oregon never won. They went 0-1. N- again, it's really hard to argue with the SEC when you have Tennessee, Florida with two, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee all winning a national title. And I think that is what separates the SEC from every other league, even today, and why the Big Ten is coming back, because they've got multiple top 15 caliber teams now. In the championship DNA category that we've talked about so much. Totally agree. It's, I mean, you can't, you can't even make a rational argument against it. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> end of, end of, yeah. End of pod. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, looking back on this, um, and looking back on the BCS, I think it's it's hard to argue that it wasn't successful, that it didn't do its job. It was certainly flawed. It that was during is, that's, that's it was during a time when college football exploded. That's the other thing that we didn't talk about financially, just the, from a, from just uh, from an interest standpoint. An interest standpoint, it, it became standpoint. a it, from arguably did the a BCS have did the BCS drive some of that? Because it starts in '98, it's chicken or the egg thing. The too, recruiting you know. internet world starts cropping up around 01, I think 02. It's a perfect storm for the, for the sport. To Cable networks start cropping up around whatever 06, 07, 08. I, I think you could argue the BCS laid the foundation for all of that because it, it gave us a national championship game for the first time. And even through the first seven or eight years, it was tied into a bowl game. It then became its own national I mean, you, championship game. You even game. talked to a long time like sports talk people here in this town. They'll tell you that in, in the '80s that college basketball was as big as college football. I mean, that's unfathomable. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I agree. I, I think it did grow to become the number two sport in this country. During that era. During that era. How much the BCS influenced it, we obviously can't quite. I think having a champion helped. Yes. <laughs> I think it was hard for – I think it's it, hard it, to unify a sport and a, have that much interest when right. you got two national title winners in 90, two national title winners in 91, and I, I, maybe some, Penn State deserved the national title in 93, maybe not. Who knows? I mean, I guess there's always rock star coaches, but, you know, Pete Carroll, USC being sexy, that, that, that helped, and great teams, great players, Florida. So, But, you know, Alabama was not good during the no. rise of the sport. It, no. Obviously, later its dominance it asserted itself, but Clemson wasn't right. Well, you know, so I, I just think it's I think it's an important era to look back on. It's also a nice, tidy sixteen-year window we can kind of look at, and right. it also coincides with me, like my personal work life became. I joined the workforce in two thousand and five, two thousand four ish, and and sort of literally the first national championship game I ever covered was Texas USC. So it's it's like it's just sort of. It was like it was it was locked into my brain at that time and has never left. It's also something since. good to talk about in June. <laughs> to rehash South yeah. Florida, <laughs> Kentucky, and Arizona State rosters from yes. 2007. Um, all right. So 
just thought we'd have a little fun kind of looking back at, at, at the BCS and, and, and just enjoying it and taking it all in. little history lesson. little little uh, trip down memory lane. And here's what I would like from people. Uh, if you don't – obviously, if you didn't win the trivia, we understand. There's, there's only a couple of you that can. Um, if you would like to tweet us favorite players, teams, games, memories, there's obviously thousands of them that we missed. So if you'd like to do that, we might bring some of that stuff back on the next podcast, especially our favorite stuff that you guys tweet to us. So, you know, if it's a season, a team, a game, a, a moment, a player, whatever, don't hesitate. We'd love to hear from you. I didn't Af- think we'd be talking about Rudy Carpenter on the podcast. No, we didn't. And that's But that's the kind of stuff that, like, college football nerds love. Like, yeah. So at, at Athlon, Mitch, at Braden Gall, tweet us some of your favorite stuff. Just Or maybe your most heartbreaking. Those, that kind of stuff sticks with us as fans as well so um tweet us that kind of stuff and maybe we'll pick out our favorite ones and kind of make sure we we touch on that stuff next week on the pod which of course we'll get back to talking about the magazine and the news of the day in the college football world got anything else to add any shows you'd like to i finished my, as we're in the outro now i finished safe on netflix i told you it's about it's an eight or nine part uh show takes place in england a little 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 murder mystery it's just a pretty quick watch each episode's about 40 minutes have you been watching westworld my wife watches it. Oh my god, it's so good. It's just not my cup of tea. Why? Why? It's just, I don't know. So it's, it's science fiction, whatever it is. That's just not my thing. Oh, see, I'm not a sci-fi guy either, though. But it it, it hits me in the right it, all the it, right spots. And my wife, who knows me well, she agrees that I would not like it as much. Like for her, she thinks it's just incredible. God, you don't have any taste, man. Lots you, of taste. No, man. You, you, your movie your movie taste is like your pizza taste, gluten free. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Watched. Um, Usual suspects with the kids, Ooh, which was fun because it's the first time they see. Yeah, seen so it. so like it's, oh, they get to find out. Spoiler alert about Kaiser Soze. It's a confu- It's it's a confusing movie, and you're supposed to be confused. So my son would ask all these questions. I was just like, just watch the show. <laughs> just watch the show. I love watching movies like that with other people that have never seen. You just it for like the first staring time. at their face. I think that's because you great- know when the moment's coming, and you're like the barbershop quartet in Skokie, yeah. Illinois, and you're like, wait a second. One of the great movie scenes, and I'm not a movie. I mean, like Orca Fat. <laughs> I like movies, but I'm not an expert. Like you know. That's one of my favorite movie scenes of all time when he's walking out of the police station. And his feet start to... Yeah. Spoiler alert. Real, 20-year-old movie. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I think the statute of limitations has run yeah. out on... Have I told you, that's my like, wife's claim, claim to fame in the world. Not having kids. Not, she claims that she figured out who Kaiser Sose was. Middle like movie. I, I still don't believe her. It's like the biggest source of disagreement in our marriage <laughs> that I don't give her credit if, for. If that's the biggest source if, of disagreement in your marriage, you're doing all right. I know. We are. So <laughs> I just don't give her credit for Kaiser Sose. You just don't believe it? You're not buying it? No. <laughs> Um, all right, man. Thanks uh, thanks for hanging out with us this week. We hope you enjoyed that. We had a lot of fun kind of researching and digging back into the to the whole uh, BCS era. So uh, enjoy. Rate, review, subscribe. Tweet us your favorite memories, players, games, heartbreaking moments, all that good stuff. We'll get to some of that stuff uh, next weekend because we forgot and missed a whole lot of stuff. So Or next week. So at Athlon Mitch, at Braden Golf. Thanks for listening. Athlon Sports, Cover 2 Podcast. <laughs>